It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Up and at them. Fresh and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerd. Welcome to episode 393 of the Back Row Morning Show, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network and the official exclusive morning show for LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd. I'm a husband, a father of three, including a newborn baby girl, a Green Lantern fan, and a Funko Pop collector. And I'm Mo, shorter, louder, smarter, and all around better than absolutely no one. <laughs> I'm a wife, mom, elementary librarian, <laughs> and seeker of truth, except when it comes to reality TV. Did you swallow an air bubble there? What happened? L- <laughs> librarian. La- la- well, I was saying la librarian. La <laughs> librarian. <laughs> oh, all right. Today on the show, just what technically qualifies as a worship song anyway? Yeah. And also on the show, uh, Matt trolled a phone scammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? But first, today is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021, and we got some holidays to celebrate. Hey, it's National Couples Day. I mean, I'm in one, so I'm proud of it. I mean... Are you not proud of yours? <laughs> what? what I was going to say. I mean, couples say, are overrated, is this all I'm saying. <laughs> what I was going to say was there's... Lots of couples. Like, it doesn't have to be a married couple. We're Ooh. a couple. I mean, yeah, I guess. Kind of. Sort of. A work pair? A work duo? Ministerial couple? No, I don't like that. I don't think that works. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. You can't mm. even say, like, work couple, because that implies, yeah. like, you know... We're getting your paid. Work, your work husband, your work wife. Oh no, you know, I hate those that kind terms. of stuff. Yeah, oh, that's what that implies. Oh, oh, I think we went. I think we're going in the wrong there's direction. There's a story there. I think we're we're a, just like uh, Oriel Jedi says. We're a couple of nerds. That's we're a couple we of nerds. That's, that's, there that's where we go. Uh huh. Yeah, gross. Wow. Okay. You... <laughs> I made it weird. I made you it weird. Always. I always do. Well, not only that, but whenever you stretch or move your arm, I always think you're gonna hit me in my face. Anyway, uh, hey, we were uh, we we were at the mom prom a few years ago. Oh, I remember you uh-huh. went to that. Yeah, yeah and uh, there was a girl there who worked with Chris, and we walk in, and she goes, "Hey, it's my work husband." And if I was ever about to fight somebody <laughs> in public, it was about to be that girl at the mom prom. I looked at Chris. And he looks at me and goes, I've talked to her three times. <laughs> and I look at her and I said, and he's my real life husband. <laughs> and just stared at her until she walked away. Oh, because I man. ain't about that life. <laughs> I ain't got no work husband. You ain't got no work wife. <laughs> it's that simple. Anyway, oh, uh, I might have trust issues. <laughs> um, it's also National Fajita Day. Here we go. There's something nobody can argue about. Fajitas, Fajitas are just delicious. Can I tell you, <laughs> I went to a, um, I think this was in Denver. Uh, my dad was in the hospital. 
and uh, my mom and I just had to get out. So we went to, to a Mexican restaurant that we'd never been to. We're just like, let's just go someplace we've never been that we don't know, which my mom does not do. She eats at McDonald's every day. Like no. that's, that's, that's who she is. The rule is when you're outside of the town you live in, you eat at places <laughs> that's what I that told you don't her. have. That's what I told her. I'm like, let's go somewhere you that in. you've never been. That's the we're, rule. We're in a whole new place. Let's go somewhere. We went to this Mexican food place that had a, a fajita enchilada. Ooh. Enchiladas made with steak and chicken fajita meat. It is the best meal, not just Mexican meal, meal period I've ever eaten in my life. It and it good. was huge. And I forced myself to eat it all because okay. it was so good. Matt. And I don't regret it. I'm hungry. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you enjoyed this meal. Shut up. I know. And I really want a tamale now. So... Just because it's Mexican, and it's my favorite Mexican thing to eat. Oh, man. Okay. Hey, this story I'm about to tell, it gets a little risque. So if you got little ones, don't let them watch or listen to it. Here we go. Uh-huh. So one of my favorite things to do on this whole earth is play with scammers. Yeah, okay? we know it. There have been a few awesome encounters that we have chronicled on the show. Uh, the best one probably being the one where someone was pretending to be my boss slash pastor. Uh, oh, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. We're going to have to bring that back just to play it again. Oh, so gosh. fun. But this past week, I got a text message that maybe many of us have received at one point or another. Uh, similar to this, it went... What's up? Are you Noah? This is Cheryl. We chatted on Badoo last time I went down to come see my cousin, but we never met for coffee. I'm back in town for a bit if you still want to to for sure go out this time. Are you available? Just in case this was legitimate, I simply replied, sorry, I am not Noah. (laughs) Her reply was, OMG, that's the worst. (laughs) Ha ha. I have a feeling he slipped me the wrong number. Darn. I did appreciate the lack of profanity. I prefer to believe he wrote it incorrectly, LOL. So you learn my name and how I look like, what's yours? Now with this text, this person sent me a headshot of a woman who is likely not this person at all, but the picture came with the text saying that I learned what she looked like. So it was confirmed in my mind that this is a scammer. And had she not used the name Noah, as the person that she was trying to find, I probably would have passed this opportunity up completely, but I could not help myself. So here we go. This was my reply and the rest of our conversation. Oh my word. Me, are you asking me to pretend to be Noah, like role play or something? Her response, nice to meet you. It's so crazy, but you seem to be sort of kind. You're not a stalker, are you, LMAO? I replied, I'm Noah. I'm into boating and I love animals. I've been working on a big project, but I'm way behind on it. And of course it's raining today. You don't happen to have pets, do you? Like maybe two dogs or two cats? Cause that would really help me out. <laughs> Her reply, R-O-F-L, you're too much. I'm hanging out for a couple of weeks with my cousins. Uh, I've been stuck inside for too long. Want to hang out? I want to do something. What do you like to do to have fun? My reply, well, if you've been stuck inside, then have I got an offer for you? You, me, and a luxury cruise on the high seas. We'll be aboard my Ark, er, yacht, and sail until the rain stops and the waters recede into the ocean. And it's all expenses paid with one small caveat. We got to take care of some animals we're transporting. Have you ever bathed two elephants before? 
Her reply, I just got home from a quick spin class. I'm about to hop into the bathtub right now. You want to drop me some more pics? Oh my god! So now it was at this point, I was pretty sure I was dealing with an automatic response system because one, I haven't sent any pictures. Uh -huh. uh, and two, no question about the elephants? Right. Nothing? <laughs> but I kept playing along anyway, mostly just to hone my skills. <laughs> I found a painting of Noah looking concerned out into the distance <laughs> as animals uh, boarded the ark behind him and in the far distance a storm raged, raged on like thunder and lightning. Oh my word. And I said uh, here you go baby. I felt cute in this one. I'm all like if these people only knew what destruction awaited them at the hands of God's holy wrath. Oh wow. <laughs> Her reply send me another one winky face. Now I wasn't quite so sure it was a bot. <laughs> or someone just typing from a script, ignoring what I'm actually saying. Because I did send a picture. So now the goal was to get some kind of response that had to be real. Okay? I pulled in that like that's what I did. I think the one of the last ones that we talked about, I was trying to get her to say baby Yoda. Yeah. Just that was the whole thing. Just say baby Yoda and I'll leave you alone. Yep. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so now I'm just trying to get some sort of response. So I pulled another painting of Noah <laughs> with him standing on the edge of the Ark's ramp as animals are filing in on either side of him. And he's kind of resting his chin on a staff looking outward. I said, okay, this is a fun one with all my pets. I'm thinking in this picture, where the heck are the turtles? <laughs> Smiley face. <laughs> uh, I did not get a reply uh, as quickly as the other ones came in. So I sent a follow-up. I said, oh yeah, you said you had two dogs, right? I'm kind of in a bind and the water is up to our ankles. I got a text back that was a picture of the same woman. Uh, she wasn't like scantily clad or anything, just a normal like selfie. Still, I'm sure this was pulled from someone's Facebook or something. However, at this point, her text began to get inappropriate. So I will do my best to clean it up just to get to the end of this here. Uh, I replied, or yeah, I replied to her photo with, uh, you shall bear me many strapping godly children as we repopulate the earth after 40 days and nights of rain. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to get a genuine response. Matthew. Something. She says, what would you do to me? Stop. Come on. I mean, come on guys. Stop. Who texts this kind of thing? So <laughs> my response, Again, I'm really confused if this is a bot or not, because the responses are at least accurate most of the time, even if they're ignoring the ridiculous stuff I'm saying. There's still like legitimate replies in most cases to what I'm saying. So I reply, well, first thing after we reach dry land, we will dress up in our finest sackcloth. <laughs> And things are going to get really wet because there's going to be a lot of animal droppings that will need to get hose out of the boat because we're probably going to have to use the wood to build a house. And then we will procreate, not for pleasure, but because God has tasked us with keeping civilization alive and it is our duty and honor to obey. How's that sound? Question mark. Wow. I needed a response, Mo. I'm disappointed in you. Her response. S swapping pictures makes me so okay so the word that she uses here isn't necessarily inappropriate in and of itself just in the context of the sentence mo 
in the context of the sentence, it's inappropriate. No. So I'm just going to add a lot no, more words uh, before we get to the uh, end when the word was wet. I replied, no, I think that's the rain. It's really picking up now. Uh, her response was, let me see what you're packing. I want to see your, again, she uses a word that isn't necessarily obscene, except in the context Stop it. of no, what she not. said. Stop. So once again, taking Matthew, a bunch no. of uh, mm -mm. words in between this so you don't get upset by the word shaft. No. I sent her a picture of a wooden grain silo from afar. <laughs> and said, well, well, thank you. I'm quite proud of it. It's the biggest one in the province, but it's more of a silo than a shaft. Uh, I was packing animal feed in it, but we bagged all that up for the boat ride. I am so disappointed <laughs> Too bad. in you. It's going to be destroyed in the flood. I'm just talking about the, the, the story of Noah in the Old Testament. <laughs> Her response proved to me that this was a bot. Because, I mean, clearly, if this was a person, they would keep this going. They wouldn't keep this going after getting a picture that looks nothing like actual male body parts. Her response was, I have Facebook, but I rarely ever use it. And I said, I'm on Face Scroll. What's a book? <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> and then she sent me a link and said, let's keep chatting here. So, of course, I'm not stupid enough to click on a link. It's either a link to an actual woman's like OnlyFans or something more likely a phishing site to get all my identity stolen. Uh, so I thought I had failed, <laughs> but something, oh yeah, thank you for those bits, man. But <laughs> something inside me said, push it one more time. No. So I replied, we don't have time to chat. The waters rise even now. We must board the ark and set sail or we will surely drown. No response. So I sent one more text in all caps. The storm rages. We must go now, Cheryl. Are you coming? <laughs> After five minutes of waiting, I had given up and set my phone down, and I heard in the distance, I rushed to pick up my phone. Please stop texting this number. Boom! I did it! I win! I got the person to tap out. That's my only goal, and I made it. Whoever you are, phone scammer, you bowed to the mercy of me. <laughs> Radio Matt. I don't know if you should be proud of that. Oh, I'm not. But it was fun. There was a fine line it was there, a great, Matthew. It was a great few hours. It was incredibly, incredibly fine. <laughs> Daedra knows all about this, right? Oh, uh, no, Matt? not at all. No, she'll hear about this uh, with everybody else. <laughs> oh, man, it was so good. It was fun. Why is everyone so quiet? Be dang glad <laughs> you're not my husband. Let's take a break here. When we come back, Mo goes head to head with one of our Discord buds in a game. Stick around. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So Saturday was free comic book day, and I had my booth set up outside a local comic book shop, along with about eight other vendors outside. Saturday also was a swelteringly hot, moist armpit of a day of North Carolina heat. And so I was outside from roughly 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. in the sweltering stankonia that was this past Saturday. And I had a great time. Got open cool doors, had got to share and do great things with Faith and Fandom. But I was I was hot. Like the candles on my table melted to the table. Um but there were four comic book artists that are friends of mine that they had tables inside the comic shop in the lovely, lovely, luxurious air conditioning. And I have to say, I was a little jealous. Like, there was times I would catch myself kind of grumbling like, man, I should be in there. But one of the things I realized is that too often I've try to toot my own horn or convince myself I deserve things I don't necessarily deserve. And scripture teaches us in Luke 14, 10, but when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. Verse 11 says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I, in my own heart and in my mind, was trying to exalt myself to a place of more recognition and better air conditioning. And while that may be an isolated incident, I've seen that so often we get into the place where we want recognition and we want credit and we want acclaim so badly that we start to put ourselves in the way of God because we want the recognition we think we deserve and we end up in a place where God actually has to bring us down a notch. Let's let God put us in the good seats. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And we changed some things up for this new season, including what we record live on Twitch. Each week we record our shows on the Friday or Saturday before it airs with our friends. Uh, follow us on twitch.tv slash LTN on air to be notified when we go live. And join our Discord at backrowdiscord.com for after show discussion and even opportunities to be on your show on our show. Not your show. Our show. Our you can be show. on your show any old time. You know, be Rachel tries show. to take it over every time she's on it, but it's not hers. It's ours. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, But before we go any further, it's time for Moe's Fact of the Day. Sonny Falcon worked for a meat company in Austin in 1962 and decided that the less desirable cuts of meat 
could serve as a purpose or could serve a purpose. <laughs> he and some co-workers got creative trying different ways to prep and refine the throwaway cuts. And eventually he found that grilling skirt steak to be the most desirable and credits his acknowledgement of similarity between the cut of meat to a belt for coining the name fajitas. Some historians question his story, but Sonny maintains both the dish and the name originated with him, so much so that he trademarked the name Fajita King in 1970. Does fajita mean belt? Yes. It's fajita. It doesn't mean belt, but the origin of fajita comes from the word belt in Spanish. Okay. So it's like a... uh, 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 it's not a direct translation. Word history. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Got you it. can't like go and say, hey, I need a fajita. <laughs> talking about a belt. I need a fajita. <laughs> hey. Where you going? Uh, I need a fajita. You, you got any leather fajitas? <laughs> that's a, that sounds like a very, <laughs> very racist name that you would call. That sounds like a, a racial slur for, for someone of Mexican descent calling them a need a fajita. <laughs> Am I wrong? It sounds I awful. I just, I yelled it out twice and then I felt bad. I'm like, oh, this could be wrong. This could be clipped and I could be seen as, as racist. Sh- sure. Um, and that's bad. I, I I'm uncomfortable now. Thanks a lot, know. Mo. You and your facts. You and your racist facts. Sorry. <laughs> now it's time for... Mo to read her line, because I was about to read it. Uh, now it's time for me to beat one of our back row buds in a game. <laughs> I don't like that you make me, you know, because when you give me the outline, you, you write what I say. I don't you can always change it up on the fly. You could read whatever you want to read. <laughs> Obviously, I was too busy sitting over here thinking about Anita Fajita. <laughs> it's, it's, the same, um, it's the same cadence as a song from... I think it was Blues Brothers 2000, where John Goodman is singing, uh, it's cheaper to keep her. It's a song about not, not getting divorced. I had no idea. Because it costs a lot of money. Wow. So in my head, I'm saying, Anita Fajita, Anita Fajita. That's what I'm singing. Hillary popped in there. Did you hear? Yeah, she's here. I I unmuted her. She's here. (laughs) I heard her. So are you, are you scandalized? I was afraid he might just leave the show during that first segment. You know. It's probably not one I'll watch with my children at this point. Yeah, it's so. all right. You can skip that. It's fine. Hillary, how it's old are your happens. boys? I'll probably have to put my a disclaimer. My boys are on the 5, podcast. 12, and 15. Everybody, since I lost my attempt at the title last week, I'm taking a week off to regroup and instead. <laughs> and mourn his loss. <laughs> zip. It was. <laughs> zip. It was wrong. It was Everybody the most beautiful was loss Ever. Everybody was terribly wrong. Uh, I'm not going to relive it. I lost it last week. I'm not going to lose it again. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm putting Mo and one of the members of our Discord to the test to see who can come out on top. So uh, everybody, please welcome KY Redhead, otherwise known as Hillary. How are you? I'm super nervous. Super nervous. <laughs> oh, don't be nervous. There ain't nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> You can only see us. We can't see you. All right, so. Well, it's, it's already been a risque day, and so the game is going to be slightly risque, but oh, in a different way. Not in a, not in a dirty way. In oh, a, my goodness. In a, in a 
just well i mean you'll understand when i tell you the typing so uh, a few weeks ago i i put mo just to the test on her own in this game uh it's a new game that that comedian john christ came out with uh a couple months ago and it is church or dispensary because oh for goodness. some reason they have so similar names yeah it's dumb it's really weird. So this is not this is not mocking anything either way. It's just the names are so similar. It's really hard to tell based on the name alone. And so we're going to put y'all to the test. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what I've got here is I got 30 of them here. I'm just saying, listen, Hillary, oh I, my think, goodness. I think Matt um, missed a beautiful opportunity here because he told me, I think, two nights ago. That I was going up against you in in the game, <laughs> and I said Southern things question mark like if that was going to be the quiz. I mean, you missed an opportunity. Look, I'm not. I was kind of hoping well for like Disney trivia again. Yeah, yeah. we'd already done that, and and apparently, <laughs> apparently they were all experts. So but I had see, to make something Jane harder. Austen. Jane Austen would have been Austin. great. Oh, mm. Y'all are too cultured for me. I'm not that cultured. <laughs> Hillary would have won. All right. All yes. Right. <laughs> All right. So what Hillary is is uh, fighting for today is if she wins, she gets a coveted I beat Mo in a game, not like with the bat sticker, uh, which currently only two people own. Yeah. And uh, you could be the third. Silver missed her opportunity. She did. She did. She tied. Mm -hmm. So she did not win a sticker. All right. So here we go. I've got I've got thirty of these. I'm going to alternate between you two. Hey. What? Oh, Topher did earn it, didn't he? Never Topher mind. Earned it. He beat you by one. Whatever. Just very. Never mind. Very, right at the end. I mean, listen. Brian is the only one who actually <laughs> earned the sticker. So. All right. I'm going to keep your scores tallied here too. All right. Ready, Hillary? All I right. guess. I'm going to I'm going to let Mo go first. <clears throat> All right. Number one. Cure. Church or dispensary? Mm, church. Dispensary, Lancaster, mm. Pennsylvania. Okay. Hillary. Yes. The cure. <laughs> so wait, we're supposed to get this for like a pharmacy or a church name? Is if that it? If it is a it church is a or a, 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 a marijuana, marijuana dispensary. dispensary. Okay, obviously <laughs> I don't know anything. Okay. I'm proud of you. It's good on that one. It's got. It's good that you don't know those things. You're going to say marijuana Dis dispensary. Dispensary. No, that yeah. is a church in Kansas City. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Mo, perfect union. Can you tell me how it's spelled? Normal. Normally. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's a church. Dispensary in Morro Bay, California. All right. Uh, Morro Bay? Morro Bay. Uh oh. I don't, know. Wow. I don't know how to pronounce them. Okay. I don't live in California. All right. Hillary. Smoke Mountain. Church. Dispensary is Seaverville, oh. Tennessee. Oh, I say, it sounds like Tennessee to me. So at least <laughs> That's where Dolly right. Parton's from. And it's Sevierville, not Seaverville. Sorry, whatever. That's where Dolly Parton's from. Okay. Okay. Mo. Mm -hmm. Smoky Mountain. Okay, you said Smoke Mountain was a dispensary. Uh huh. Smoky Mountain is a church. Correct, from Cosby, Tennessee. <laughs> All right, Mo's got one. Hillary, High Street. Uh, 
church. Church in Springfield, yes. Missouri. Good job. Yeah. Mo, nice. higher life. Ay, ay, ay. Church. Church, a fellowship in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Hillary, higher level. Oh, my word. Um, dispensary. Dispensary, Seaside, California. Good job. Mo, the haven. Seriously? <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's a dispensary. Church, uh, the haven of the Nazarenes, the full name, Grand Prairie, Texas. Hillary, haven. Um, church? Dispensary, Long oh Beach, gosh. California. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, Haven House. Church. Church, New Hall, California. Good job. All right, it's three to two. Hillary, cultivate. Oh, my goodness. I think that was a youth ministry to church I used to go to. Right? So I'm going to say church. Church, Alabaster, Alabama. Good. Tied up. I mean, it, it's a term that you need to use for the other thing, too, though. So. Mo, true leave. Is it leave or leaf? Like bee leave. So true leave. Wow. That sounds like a diet sweetener. Right? <laughs> it does, right? Uh, I'm saying dispensary. Dispensary, Palm Coast, Florida. Uh, Hillary, fluent. Oh, my word. Um, <sighs> church. Oh, dispensary, Orlando, oh my Florida. Goodness. Mo, discovery. Ooh. Um, church. Church, Colorado Springs. Ooh. All right, five to three. Hillary, pure peace. Dispensary. Dispensary, Westminster, Maryland. Uh, Mo, greenhouse. Uh, dispensary. Church, Davie, Florida. What? <laughs> Hillary. That, whoa. <laughs> that makes zero sense. Hillary, ethos. Church. Dispensary, Watertown, oh Massachusetts. Waterton, I guess. Waterton. <laughs> Watertown. Uh, Mo. What? The Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is it hmm. a church? Dispensary, Las what? Vegas, Nevada. Hillary. Okay, statistically, listen, there's, there's probably a church near the sanctuary, <laughs> too. So. I was about to say. Hillary. <laughs> Yep. Sanctuary. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> That's the name. Sanctuary for heaven's sake. That <laughs> <laughs> could still be either one. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I will go with dispensary again. Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Mo, y'all are tied up, by the way. Y'all both have five. Mo, tree of life. Dispensary. Church, Lubbock, Texas. What? We got to go there. <laughs> Hillary. Yes. Trees. Wow. Um, church. Dispensary, Inglewood, oh Colorado. Mo, giving tree. Isn't that a book? <laughs> a book. 
I'm going to say dispensary. Dispensary. Phoenix, Arizona. Good job. Hillary, the giving tree. Church. Dispensary, Denver, oh, Colorado. Mo, wow. the, the tree. Mm, well, I mean, no, it's the vine and the branches, <laughs> not the tree. Um, dispensary. Church, Lancaster, uh. Ohio. Hillary, <laughs> tree of knowledge. Dispensary. Church, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Moho, trees of knowledge. Oh, my Dispensary. Word. Dispensary, Sacramento, California. All right, Mo, you're up too. You have seven. Hillary, you have five. How many five. of these things we got? And there are only three left. So Mo has to get oh none right, and Hillary has to get both of hers right to tie. And I don't know how we'll break a tie, but we'll figure it out. Hillary, Epoch, spelled E P O C H. Yes. Um, church. Church, Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> Mo. Where do you go to church? Epoch in Little Rock. Life's <laughs> Life Center with no space in between the words. Life Center. And also uh, center is spelled the British way, R-E instead of E-R. Dispensary. Church, North Lakes in Australia. Wow. All right, Hillary, last one. Crack House. Oh, man. Don't let me down here. <laughs> um, wow. So, I wish I knew you better, Matt, because then I would know how to guess on this one. Um, <laughs> let's go with... Swing for the fences, Hillary. You can do I it. Know. Oh, no. Okay. Crack house sounds like... That <laughs> sounds like a church. <laughs> It is a church in Columbus, Ohio. It's actually a ministry. It sounds nothing like a church. The acronym is that for crack is an acronym, and it, it stands for Christ Resurrects After Crack Kills. Oh so my it's, God. it's like a church focused around recovery from this. Uh, so we're tied up. So that, it's that fine line. That yeah. fine line. I don't know. Oh right. my word. So, wow. so here's how I'm going to do the, the tiebreaker. Cause I know y'all have been memorizing where all these cities are in. So let's see. Okay. Both of y'all try and remember, and the closest gets it. How many of these businesses were in California? Businesses? Bus I mean, businesses or churches. Oh, okay. Locations, oh, yes. How many of these <sighs> locales were in California? Is this closest without going over? No. Just closest. Okay. Just closest. <laughs> Five. No. I'm saying three. There were six, and oh, that means Hillary oh my gosh. just ekes out a win. My gracious. Okay, but what if I had said seven? Then I would have had to do Colorado, too. Oh. <laughs> just kept going until we had a winner. I was kind of curious. <laughs> Hillary, congratulations. That was a hey, tight race. My goodness. Good job. Hey, oh good job. Gosh. First time in. First time on the show, and what a show to be on. My goodness. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> you will I'm receive. I'm definitely not sending the link to my parents. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can do one of those timestamp ones, you know, that's just like, just watch it from here, right. not from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I might leave the, I might leave the story out of the clips. <laughs> if that'll help. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here it is. You're going to win this I Beat Mo sticker. I will get with you to get your information and get this sent thank to you. you. I'll send you some of our other stickers too. Uh, thank oh you so goodness. much for being a part of it. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let thank you, you gather your composure and uh, we'll end the call. Uh, but thank you again. <laughs> thank you all. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. You Yay. too. <laughs> Oh, what a show today is. My goodness, it's fun. Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, gosh. Whew. All right. We fun ready? Stuff. What are we doing? I don't even we're know. We're taking we're another at. quick All right, break. Let's take another quick break. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, what even is a worship song anyway? Stick around. This week in Nerd History, Saturday Morning TV. Nerd History. I'm sure most of us Gen Xers and Millennials have a soft spot in our heart for what Saturday mornings used to mean to us as kids. A big bowl of Lucky Charms and Saturday morning cartoons and kids programs. Batman, X-Men, Eek the Cat, Bobby's World, Animaniacs, Power Rangers, Digimon, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, Garfield and Friends, the list goes on and on. And it all started on August 19th, 1950, when the American Broadcasting Company, ABC, first aired two Saturday morning television shows for children, Animal Clinic which featured live animals, and the variety show Acrobat Ranch, which had a circus theme. The latter show, hosted by Jack Stilwell, Uncle Jim, featured two young acrobats, Tumbling Tim and Flying Flo, and children competing in games and stunts. Once other channels started following suit, Saturday morning slots began to be filled with older cartoons originally made for movie theaters, such as Looney Tunes and Mighty Mouse, and reruns of shows aired other times, like The Flintstones, The Jetsons, and Johnny Quest. In the mid-1960s, networks began producing their own programming specifically for that television block, and it kicked off a superhero boom. Superman, Aqu- Aquaman, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Space Ghost, Birdman and the Galaxy Trio, Underdog, and more were created in this time. By the mid-90s, however, Saturday mornings started to decline, mainly due to, well, the government. The FCC introduced the EI mandate in 1990, but made it bolder in 1996. This required all broadcast networks to air educational and informational children's programs for at least three hours a week. And instead of trying to find three new hours to put this educational programming in, each week. Of course, this would instead be focused on the Saturday morning block. Concurrent with EI, the Federal Trade Commission outlawed the advertising of both premium rate telephone numbers and tie-in merchandise during children's hours. This cut off large revenue sources for children's programs on network television. While some Saturday morning shows continued into the 2010s, Saturday morning programming for children was soon phased out by the networks in favor of Saturday morning news programming. And with the rise of streaming, making the world of Saturday morning cartoons available 24-7 on demand, the point of a dedicated block no longer exists. Currently, the idea is one of nostalgia, with MeTV launching a Saturday morning cartoons block this past January on its channels featuring classic Popeye, Pink Panther, Tom and Jerry, and Looney Tunes shows. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Welcome back 
to the Backroom Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. When today's show is over, make sure you check out lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, other podcasts and videos, and a lot more. And if you would like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, even specifically with LTN Radio, please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax-deductible. This week, we are talking about worship music. Now, we started talking off about specific... Talking off? We started off talking. (laughs) We started talking off the side of our mouth. Uh, No, we started off talking about specific words, then mindsets, but today, we're going to break it down even further. I break it down now. I break it down. What even qualifies as a worship song in the first place? (sighs) Now, this is actually a kind of a case study on the song, Raise a Hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Exactly, that one, yeah. So uh, this is an article uh, from last year from Matt Ward. uh, And the article is titled, What is and is not a worship song, a case study, Raise a Hallelujah. And he says, let's start with the basic assumption. You're interested in what happens in your church's worship services. If you are any kind of pastor, theologian, or anything of that nature, you should be interested. Try this exercise with me. Think about your past few worship services. What songs did your congregation sing? Some of the songs from my church's past few Sundays include His Mercy is More, Jesus Messiah, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, and How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Then ask how each song was used. For example, I used His Mercy is More as an opening declaration of praise, Jesus Messiah to introduce His Lord's Supper service, Grace Greater Than Our Sin during a time of confession, and How Deep the Father's Love for Us as an invitation to commitment. Finally, because this article is being written to pastor theologians, review the text to evaluate how the song was intended to be used. Sometimes, perhaps regularly, song leaders try to use a song in a way other than its text intends. There are countless ways this can happen, but I want to focus on the surprisingly common scenario in which we fill our quote-unquote worship service with songs that are not quote-unquote worship songs. Think about this with me. How would you define a worship song? I define it as a song that is either to or about the triune God, sung in such a way that encourages corporate participation. Now, he says, please note I'm talking about corporate worship. Personal and private worship opens many unique and separate possibilities. But in a church setting, this is what we're talking about. So he says, can we agree to use that definition for now? Now consider those four songs I mentioned above and ask three questions. Who is the song to? What is the song about? And who is the supposed singer of the song? He says, His Mercy is More is a song to be sung by Christians to one another to celebrate God's mercy. Jesus Messiah could be sung by anyone to make objective declarations about Jesus and salvation in him. Grace Greater Than Our Sin is a song to be sung by Christians both to other Christians to celebrate God's grace and to non-Christians to invite them to experience God's grace. And How Deep the Father's Love for Us is a song to be sung by Christians to remind each other about God's incredible love. He said, did you notice anything about that list? All of those songs really only make sense when sung by a Christian, which is a good mark of a worship song. And all of those songs are clearly about a biblical attribute of God, which is a good mark of a worship song. But none of those songs is actually directed to, to God. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
In fact, looking through the songs my church enjoys singing, singing, many of them are not actually sung to God, but rather sung about God. To be sure, my church uses plenty of songs sung to God, like Living Hope, Speak, O Lord, and How Great Thou Art. But they are in the minority, and that's fine. Either category can be defined as a worship song. How Great Thou Art opens up a subcategory in which the text jumps back and forth. Verse 3 is about God, but the rest of the song is to God. And whether or not I like this as a technique, it is not uncommon. Carrie Job took Be Still My Soul, a text by Corinthia von Schlegel, sung to, uh, sung to our souls about God's sovereignty, and added a chorus sung to God. You goes from meaning my soul to God and back without warning. The only indicator would be a capital U, which I'm noticing more and more typists ignore, but that's for another day. Matt Redman's popular 10,000 Reasons does a variant. The song is sung to God, but it mixes in my soul as a you in the chorus. If you have a group of Christians who think about the text and can actively translate those lyrics in their own hearts, uh, in their own hearts worship of God, then everything's fine. But I have had to explain all three of those songs to individuals in my church, namely the object jumping, and I have come away with the same worry. What is going through your mind while you're singing this song after I had told you you were using it to worship God? This leads to the purpose of this article. Is there a point in time in your worship service when the song leader says something like, let's worship God together, or implies that you are all about to worship God? Assuming as much, shouldn't that mean that what follows is worship? I say it should, which is why I say that worship leaders should make certain that it does. And I would be very surprised if you don't immediately know the song which I'm about to talk about. It's charted number two on Billboard, uh, and at the time of this article, it was a top ten song on the major church use list, list in Lifeway Worship, Praise Charts, and CCLI. It was nominated for a 2019 Dove Award, and I would not be surprised if your church had sung it or had sung it in a service in the past. And if that's true, I hope you have taken the time to learn a little about the song. It's a product of the growing Bethel music community based in Northern California and associated with the Pentecostal Bethel Church. It was a result of a call to prayer for the da- for a, a dangerously uh, for the dangerously ill children of the Bethel music executive. When the children recovered, Bethel music decided to include the song on its 2019 album Victory. And it's an intentionally simple song about the supernatural effects of prayer, about relying on prayer and worship as a weapon to overcome fear and sickness. The song goes like this. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear, you lost your hold on me. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder. The song has encouraged and inspired many Christians to face difficult situations. It also has the word hallelujah in the title. And hallelujah, in most people's minds, automatically means worship song, right? That seems to be the prevailing notion, and not just from the informational interviewing I did for this article. The Gospel Music Association, when presenting, uh, which presents the Dove Awards, nominated Raise a Hallelujah in their Worship Recorded Song of the Year. They have other categories they could have chosen. They define worship song as thus. 
songs specifically used to lead churches in worship, which invite participation and which tend to have a vertical focus toward God rather than a, than toward the listener and which have had a significant impact in congregational worship during the eligibility period. And everywhere I've heard this song used, it has been used as a worship song, but is it? So who is the song to? That's actually not clear. The first verse is a declaration. It's almost irrelevant who it's sung to. It's not sung to God. Uh, I don't think it's sung to other Christians. It's too boastful for that. Not boastful in a bad way, but we'll get to that in a second. It might be sung to myself as in a personal encouragement. The chorus has a you in it. There's definitely, it's definitely not my soul and it's way too brash to be God or other Christians. In the second verse, you is clearly defined as fear. But it is not clear if that is the representation of my inner turmoil or a representation of the enemies against agents of Satan uh, that I'm raising the hallelujah in presence of. I think it's the latter. But based on what I know of the artist, the church, the text, and the way the song is presented, I think the song is to our enemies. It's sung in defiance of the power of Satan in our lives and circumstances. So ultimately, the song is sung to those who fight against us. Demons, Satan, principalities. What, a, what is the song about? It is about me and how I overcame adversity through prayer and worship. If you were in a devotional state of mind when singing it, you realize that the cause uh, of your bold declaration is the victory of, of Jesus over death and the promise of the arsenal of heaven for victory over Satan. But that is mostly implied. On its face, it is a song about me. Who is the supposed singer? It's kind of a clunky question. But it means, can a non-Christian sing this song with integrity? This is clearly a song for Christians, even though the wording is just vague enough to make it non a non-Christian think he can sing along. We know that the things declared in the text can only be true of Christians. So let's take stock. The song is a boast directed at the enemies of God in the vein of 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57, which says, when the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Paul needed to remind the Corinthians of those stakes, so should we remind the enemies of God that their defeat is sure. But that doesn't make it a worship song. And this is where the misdirect comes from. The hallelujah in the title refers not to the song itself, but the song that this song is about. It says this song is not the hallelujah. This song is about the hallelujah that we will raise in the presence of our enemies. The song is not a worship song. It's a song about a worship song. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he said, perhaps the writers did so because they want us to inject our own worships, uh, our own worship song, which would be really cool writing. Uh, whatever their reason, they did not put a hallelujah in the song. So it's not a worship song. So what is it? There are actually many, many songs like this in our hymnals. And I immediately think of the Hank Williams classic, I'll Fly Away. 
Think about that song. It's a random declaration made to anyone in earshot that I'm flying away when I die. No mention of Jesus, no clue given as to the audience, but the word hallelujah uh, is in it. Other songs that come to mind include Because He Lives, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, Amazing Grace, and Come Ye Sinners. They're not to God. They're mostly directed to non-Christians to encourage them to come to Jesus. They're not really about God. They're about us. Or more specifically, they're about how our relationship with Jesus has affected us. And so he goes on to postulate, I won't read everything for the rest of this because I know it's already been a long article, but he goes on to postulate that these are not worship songs. These should be a different category of songs entitled testimony songs. These should be songs reserved for the special music, not corporate worship still can be used in church, but they would be sung by a singular person because it's not a worship song. What do you think about that? Okay, so there's remember, a lot to take in. I grew up in <laughs> I did not grow up in a Baptist church. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Um I grew up having a praise and worship service. That was what we called it. Yeah. It was praise and worship. So when I moved over to a Baptist church, n- not saying praise and worship. I just kind of thought, okay, Baptists are lazy. They dropped the praise. (laughs) Um, Not really. But anyway. um, (laughs) Always cutting them corners. (laughs) Lazy Baptists. The more that I thought about it, the more I realized it's a bigger deal than just dropping a word. Yeah. Worship in the Baptist church is worship. It's supposed to be given to God, directly to God. Mm-hmm. It is about you and God. Okay. That's, I get it. Yeah. Okay. But praise, just like testimony, they're saying in the article, yeah. is equally as important. Absolutely. In our services. Praise is where we get our encouragement. If Barnabas was in our church, I think he'd be singing nothing but praise songs. That's all he'd be well, walking I mean, around doing. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to think about what the word praise means in any other context. It means, you know, showering somebody yeah. with, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I'd say compliments, but that's not Atta exactly boys. the word I want to say. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's extolling the virtues of the person that you're talking about. Yeah. But that does not inherently mean that you're talking to that person. Right. Because you can extol praise about someone to other people. Exactly. Uh, and you're absolutely right. And so it just like we've been talking about all this week, it really comes down to the wording and how it's presented. Mm-hmm. And so in the services that have worship services, there is a certain connotation that is expected that these will be songs that are sung to God. Mm-hmm. That we are coming into a moment where we are worshiping God specifically for that purpose. Right. Praise songs are a completely different thing. But I think that just like you might have thought when you came to the church, oh, they're just lazy and they're not saying the word. I think that's actually happening. Hmm. Not, not necessarily just in like Baptist churches, but I mean, I think that's actually happened that we used to call this genre of music praise and worship. Mm-hmm. And it encompassed both. Yeah. And then I think that. While in reality, the music was trying to focus specifically on worship. And so we actually had a try to split those genres up. Mm-hmm. 
people saw that happening in their playlists and on their radio stations and just thought, yeah, we're just going to call it worship now. Yeah. And I think there was a miscommunication in the minds of many, most believers that these are the same kind of song. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the end, this guy is talking about something that should, would be ideal. I don't think he's actually saying, let's plant a flag in the freaking ground and make this a point and make this an issue in the church. But I do think that he's like, if we're going to be genuine about this, then yeah, let's do it right. If it's worth doing, do it right the first time kind of thing. If we're going to have a praise service, call it a praise service. If we're going to have a worship service, call it a worship service. If you want to have these songs in a worship service, have it set as a testimony moment sung by one person. You can invite other people to sing along with you, but it is not presented as a corporate worship situation. So here's my true thoughts on special music. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Why? I don't think it should be a thing. Why is that? Um, Highland used to do this really awesome thing on fifth Sunday where yeah. it's fifth Sunday sing, Sunday sing. and that. we set aside Sunday nights. If there was a fifth Sunday in the month, we knew, okay, that was the night for special music. And that to me is brilliant. It's beautiful because, and listen, I've never spoken this to anybody because I realized that this is a personal thing. It is not something that should be a line drawn in the sand. Okay. Okay. But to me, when someone gets on stage and performs special music, it is more about that person than it is about God, not just for the person singing it, but for the audience also, because how many times in the audience has it turned someone to praise or to worship of God? Never, never. When was the last time that you listened to a special music sung by someone and your heart was turned toward praise or worship? No, I don't think that's fair. I don't agree with you all the way there. Okay. But I will say that it is a lot rarer than in a genuine corporate worship setting. Okay. There's a lot rare that that occurs, but I wouldn't go and say that it never occurs because okay. it's occurred to me. Okay. Uh, but you're absolutely never right. Never and you... always are words that I really shouldn't <laughs> use. I get that. But so. uh, I, I do absolutely agree that it, it becomes a performance mm -hmm. in the middle of a church service. Mm -hmm. And speaking as someone who has done that many times, yeah. performed a special music since I was a, a teenager, uh -huh. many, many times in worship services, I have not done it in many years because of that exact situation. Mm -hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. It feels out of place. Mm -hmm. It feels like, all right, let's stop worshiping God for a second and extol the talent of this one person. Mm -hmm. Because to me, if it's going to be praise or it's going to be, well, okay. So we're saying it's praise because yeah, we would say that these would be praise. Songs. Okay. So if it's going to be praise, then that kind of, offers an invitation for others to also participate in the praise. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. You don't rarely. Yeah. Yeah. Very rarely. Typically don't hear the audience participating in the song. Even if you know the song, they're not going to sing along with the song because that's a special 
that's a special music time. Right. We're allowed. You would feel person. you would feel uncomfortable doing it. Right. Unless the person specifically requested to sing along and like the words were still on the screen. Right. You would feel uncomfortable because you wouldn't know. Well, am I going to be stepping on this person's performance, or if is this supposed to be directed towards God? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think this is great because you did not know that we were moving on to a new discussion oh. about this specifically. Okay. Uh, so we're moving on to an article from Christianity Today, and it's called Six Important Differences Between Performance Music and Worship Music. Worship is different. Some of the most enjoyable, memorable evenings that I've ever spent has been at concerts listening to musicians entertain us, inspire us, and make us gasp in awe at their artistry. But worship music is something else. It is, it, it, I mean, it can be any musical style out there, but the words are what draw the line between worship music and performance music or praise music or testimony music, whatever we wanted to call it here. So number one, in performance, the focus is on the musicians and in worship, the focus is on Jesus. And that's what you just covered. And so that's a given. And we'll move on to the next point already because we've covered it. Number two, in performance, those on stage might be the only ones singing. In worship, everyone should be singing along. Again, something we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Number three, in performance, the words should support the melody. In worship, the melody should support the words. And so this is kind of what we've been talking about this week. Uh, have you ever, the, the article says, have you ever had a favorite song that you knew all the words to? Then we're appalled or confused when you pause to consider the lyrics. Mo, I know you have a checkered history with music. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we all grew up singing a lot of songs that were on the radio. Oh, yeah. And then we grew up and oh, we're yeah. like, oh, that was talking about that? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's because great performance-based songs are primarily about the melody, not mm -hmm. the words that are being sung. Mm -hmm. But in worship, it's the opposite. Words matter first. Uh, even when groups like the Grammy artists make their categories, worship music is the only musical genre delineated by lyrical content, not musical style. This is why it's harder to write a great worship song. When you're writing a song for performance, you only need a great musical structure. If you also have great lyrics, it's a bonus and it can make your song a classic, but it's not needed. Great worship song needs strong lyrics and music that enhances them. But the lyrics must lead the music and not vice versa. And that's hard to do, but it's essential. Mm. And I think that's why we struggle in the realm of worship music when it comes to shallow songs. Because I think many of these fall into, it's a great song, it's a great melody, but the lyrics came secondarily. Mm. I really do. Number four, in performance, the integrity of the musicians is secondary. In worship, the integrity of the musicians is essential. Some of the greatest musicians in history were scoundrels, from Mozart to Jerry Lee Lewis to Ozzy Osbourne. Until recently... Mozart and Ozzy in one... <laughs> until recently, not only has their bad, action, or their bad behavior not tarnished their reputation as artists, it's often enhance the public's interest in them and their songs, but it's not so in worship music. When you're leading people in worship, it matters that you're living a life of faith and integrity. Uh, the article says a few years ago, there was a big debate about whether or not it's okay to have unbelievers playing on the worship team in church. And it's stunning that we had to have that conversation. How can someone lead others in worship if they're not worshipers themselves? You can't lead people to a place that you're not going. 
That's interesting. Absolutely. Because that, that did come up in our church as well uh, several years ago. There was, there was, our band was in, in desperate need of a drummer. We knew someone mm-hmm. who was willing to come and drum, but he was not a believer. And that question came up, like, are, can, can we do that? And at first you want to say, yeah, of course we can. Why would we turn him away? But when you think about it in that form, like, yes, this is not a performance. Yeah. This is, this is a group of leaders leading a congregation in a distinctively Christian uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you would, you would have to. <laughs> worship leaders need to be held to the same standards of behavior that we hold pastors to. If worship through music is an essential element of the church service, and it is, then the character of the leaders matter. Musicianship is important in worship leaders, but not as much as integrity. Number five, virtuoso musical flourishes can attract you to a performance, but they distract from worship. I'm guilty of this. I really am. He says, I've been drawn into worship by musicians celebrating God's praises in every musical style you can imagine, even though musical styles are even through musical styles that I don't particularly like. I've even been blessed while being led by musicians who weren't especially talented, who were offering their gift with a sincere, available heart. But the one thing that can take me out of a moment is when a musician or a singer makes it all about themselves by adding musical flourishes that draw attention to their talent instead of to Jesus. When it comes to musicians on worship teams, the rule is to be so good that you blend in, not stand out. I have been guilty of this because when I am added to a worship team, I'm usually added as the tenor. I'm added as the the harmony. Mm -hmm. And when you're the tenor... Your, your, your part's typically louder and your tar- your part is supposed to, uh, it's supposed to stand out. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to clash in a good way with the melody. It's supposed to be, be something different than what the main mm-hmm. thread is. Mm-hmm. You're that, supposed to be able to hear it. That, yeah. That typically the rest of the church is not singing along with typically. And uh, that's for musicians, musicianship, sure. Uh, but also, it's often for people that have to sing in a different register. <laughs> like uh, our worship leader, he sings a lot of songs in a lower register. Uh, and our youth pastor, who sometimes fills in, is even lower. And I can't sing half the songs that they sing at the low register. And so often when that's the case, you want a tenor or a, a, a soprano to be singing a higher part that some people have to sing along with if they're going to sing along with it comfortably. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> having that in there opens that door wide for someone to really have fun with the music instead of actually paying attention to what we're there to do. And I know I've been guilty of that so many times because I love singing. Uh, it is a gift that I've been given. Uh, I uh, And I mean that. Here's the thing. <laughs> and I don't say that word a lot. So listen up, people. That phrase. Uh, I'm not boasting when I say I'm naturally talented at singing. Because that means I didn't work for it. I am more impressed by people who worked for it and are good because they worked for it. I am the spoiled brat who was born with with a, a, an ability to harmonize really, really well without having to practice. 
And that spoiled brat comes out often when I'm given the opportunity to be on stage <laughs> and sing because I, I start vocally bragging about all the awesome things I can do by doing them on stage. And it very easily comes down to, gee, how good that was in my brain, as opposed to what we're actually there to do. Mm -hmm. And I've caught myself on many occasions in the middle of a worship song after I hit a part saying, yes, I nailed that, as opposed to saying anything towards God, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to being in the moment. It was about a performance for me, mm -hmm. not about leading people in worship. That's something I, I have to work on. And that's one of the reasons I'm not really trying to be on the worship team right now, because I know that's a problem for me. Mm -hmm. It does distract from worship. I don't, <sighs> when, when I was younger, there were many times I mean, it happened when I did special music, but there were many times where I'd just be singing a tenor part, a harmony part behind someone in church that after church service or after the worship service, they would turn around and say, you sing really well. Mm -hmm. And I used to eat those moments up. But then like the more they happened or like here at church, I get people that come up to me every now and then and say, I really wish you'd get back up on that worship team. I miss hearing your voice. I'm like, oh, thank you. I, mm -hmm. I, I thank them. I'm like, that is not a good reason for me to be on the worship team. Yeah. That is just building my ego. <laughs> like it's made me more and more uncomfortable. Not, you know, I'm already naturally uncomfortable with praise, but, hmm. uh, <laughs> but I did used to eat those up at least internally. Like I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I am great. Thank you. Uh, but now it, it just makes me uncomfortable and it cements in my mind like, yeah, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, I usually save my talents now for like the Christmas Eve service where we do a lot of performance. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not great at it. <clears throat> I'm not great at it. Any thoughts? I... <laughs> this, and honestly, I appreciate your honesty because there are a lot of people who may possibly be feeling convicted right now. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Um, just because God has given you a talent mm -hmm. does not mean you have to use it in the, the biggest, most grand way right. that you possibly can. Um, we have to remember that Everything we go through, everything God brings us through, um, everything he gives us is for his glory and our good, yeah. not for our glory. And I know that there are a lot of people who kind of see singing on a praise team or singing in a choir or, you know, their position in that area as... Uh, I want to say a right. Yeah. Um, and not really as the privilege that it is. Yeah. The honor that it is. Right. Um, when you consider that you are leading people into worship, that's something that's holy mm -hmm. and it needs to be kept that 
And if for whatever reason, attention is drawn to you. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if somebody out in the crowd, if your heart is pure and your worship is pure and you truly are worshiping God and someone out in the crowd happens to be drawn to you for whatever reason, right? that's not your fault. That's a separate thing. Yeah, absolutely. But if you are purposely making your voice heard, where's your intent at? Where's your heart at? Do you, are you seeking that praise? Cause I've done the same thing. Do you come off the stage going, okay, who's going to tell me how it was? After church, do you walk up to people and say, hey, was was that okay? Did that sound all right? How did we do? Why? <laughs> What's the purpose? Right. Because at that point, it's not for God's glory. And that's something I think that we need to really reflect on and be honest about. Right. And then be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to sing from my seat. I'm going to worship from my seat because that's where I need to be right now. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) And the last, uh, the last point here in this article that kind of goes along with that is uh, performers need to be skilled musicians. Worship leaders need to be committed worshipers. So when leading worship through music, we should strive for excellence, not so people can stand in awe of our performance, but so people will stand in awe of Jesus. Worship teams should practice relentlessly to achieve musical excellence, but in doing so, they should strive to be so in sync with each other that they're not thinking as much about chord changes as they are about being active participants in the worship they're leading us into. Okay, so this is something that I struggled with. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. The Holy Spirit is not on a time frame. Right. Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit, I think it was, I don't remember what article it was that we, we've we read this past week. They're all starting to run together at this point. <laughs> um, but, oh, see, now I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> The Holy Spirit uh-huh, is not yeah. bound by time. It's not. He's not bound by time. Um, the Holy Spirit mm, is. Okay. Blank. Anyway, I'll get back there eventually. Um, when we truly allow for the Holy Spirit to move. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we don't put up restraints or walls or. Are you saying the Holy Present or Holy Spirit is always present? He is always present. That's not, like That's we're not what I was. Is that not going. what you're saying? That's not where I was going. Um, what bothers me <laughs> is when a song, you have a set of worship songs. Gotcha. You're gonna sing those three songs. You're gonna sing the first verse, the chorus, the second verse, the chorus twice. You're going to end it and you're moving on to song two. You're going to sing the first verse. When you do that without allowing for the Holy Spirit to kind of dictate and allow the worship to flow and move the way that it's supposed to, you're putting restraints. 
you're saying, okay, the Holy Spirit can only move to this part of this song, and then that's it. Okay. I think, I don't think that you're wrong. Okay. Let me preface this by saying that first. But you're going to disagree with me in a way. I don't disagree with you necessarily either. Okay. But I will say that's much more difficult of an ask than I think most people would realize. Because I would think that, and, and I say this as someone who has been on stage in a worship team setting for many years, it is often very difficult to tell the difference between the spirit is moving, so we need to keep the song going, or I'm so good at performing this song that people are reacting to it. We need to keep this song going. I think that for many worship leaders, constraining them to a specific set uh, order allows for you to still present the song in its full heartedness with its full message and in its full corporate worship setting and reducing the risk of exactly what this other, that, that other point was talking about flourishes for performance sake because it's the same thing that happens at concerts. Sure. It, it becomes like this encore mentality. Eh, it's a fine line. That, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't always happen. I mean, I'm not saying it always happens that way. No, I'm I just know. I'm saying it's sometimes difficult. It, it is definitely a fine line. And basically in the article, that's what they're saying is that a worship leader needs to be worship minded. Right. And while you can't go up there and just be willy nilly with your, your playing and your singing, there has to be structure. There has to be, you know, we have to be a good steward of time as well. You sure. know, yeah. um, there are things, there are the rules, if you will, that a worship leader needs to follow. Mm-hmm. However, there also needs to be freedom in allowing the spirit to move. However, the spirit's going to move. Sure. And I think where a lot of worship leaders go wrong is making sure they hit every verse and they hit every note of every verse and they hit the chorus when they're supposed to. And then they end in a timely fashion Gotcha. as opposed to saying, all right, guys, speaking to their worship team before service starts, this is the outline, kind of like what we do here on the show. Here's the outline. These are the major points that we're going to hit, but we're going to let God have control of this. Sure. And um, again, don't disagree with you. Yeah. At the same time, we get to a practicality point of the worship team. It is difficult for a set of musicians to not all be on the same page of where the music is going to go. Sure. And to keep that song going. Sure. I would say that you are absolutely correct when it comes to the end of a song. When we're at a situation where we have made it through the order of the song, 
I think that the ability to then carry on repeating the chorus right. or even calling back that we're going to go back to this one verse or the bridge or whatever. Yeah. I think that is more acceptable than just be like, okay, well, I might sing the third verse first. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, no, or and in that like way, that. you can't, you're not leading right. your congregation. Right. Because if you start with the third verse, then it leaves room for confusion. <laughs> right. That it, yeah. it would just, it would just cause people to be taken out of the moment. Exactly. Well, especially the poor sound guy <laughs> who doesn't know what slide needs to be going next. That's fair. But... Uh, I do, I do agree that we definitely should open up the end of, if not all, all the three worship songs, at least the final song, open up the end for the possibility of if the room is really into the worship set, if this, this, uh, if this experience is happening, which of mm -hmm. course we said earlier, you know, we're not going seeking experience, but seeking the ability to worship God. But if there is a moment where an experience is happening, where the corporate worship is you know, lifting into a, a, a level that we don't want to stop singing yet. Mm -hmm. You should have the freedom to continue singing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do, I do know when this is happening in our church, um, when our worship leader, you can tell when he feels what's happening is happening. Mm -hmm. And what he will often do is start the chorus again, but stop playing and yes. direct everybody in the, in the band to stop playing and to stop singing. Mm-hmm. And just let the church sing the chorus a cappella mm -hmm. in true worship without any performance whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And those moments are so beautiful and really, really bring the connectivity of what we're doing to everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. They are powerful moments. Most, most, not most, but several of the people you know, feel that emotional tug, start crying, all kinds of things, just in the few moments it takes to sing this other chorus. There are moments that it has to happen. And I, I agree. We should in all situations be open to that kind of possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. While at the same time, not going overboard with it and just, sure. Let's just Run it from the top. Right. <laughs> all, all right. We'll, we'll be here. To, we're not going to beat the, the Methodist to Golden Corral today because this worship's going on forever. Right. We did have like a worship night uh, a couple of years ago at a night of worship. And uh, we had a set. Of, it was like 12 songs. We did like 12 songs in a row. And uh, we finished, you know, they finished the last song and, and we were done. And there was one guy who just got really upset saying, well, why are we stopping? Why are you dictating when this is stopping? Why don't you just go until the spirit tells you to stop? Like, well, spirit's not telling me to keep going either. We, we, we sang our songs. We all had a great time. It was a great worship experience. What are you upset about? It was, well, I wanted to sing longer. Okay, well, you can sing longer. <laughs> Your worship doesn't have to end. But I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard because it almost becomes expected from some people Yeah, that we have to have a worship experience. We have to feel the spirit move. And that takes us back to that same thing we talked about the other day is that becomes the focus mm -hmm. chasing that experience. And if right. we don't feel it, then we didn't really have worship. Right. And so, uh, just like you said, I think it is a fine line, but I definitely think that we should be prepared for it mm -hmm. instead of just being so strict that we don't allow those experiences to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
same page. Uh-huh. We're good. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> all right. Um, that's all I got. That article here, I'll, I'll give you that article again. That was called Six Important Differences Between Performance Music and Worship Music by Carl Vaders. Hmm. Uh, this is at Christianity Today, so you can check that out yourself. Um, that's going to do it for our week of focus on worship music. And, and even though we kind of had different topics, they all kind of melded together pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're going for here. So mm -hmm. congratulate us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take one last break. And when we get back, we'll answer and ask us anything question. Stick, Stick around. around. Oh, dang it. Sure. Mine. <laughs> We here at Love Thy Nerd emphasize thoughtful content. Visit lovethynerd.com for amazing articles and a whole network of podcasts. And follow Love Thy Nerd on Twitch, twitch.tv slash lovethynerd and twitch.tv slash LTN on air, where you'll find game streams, live podcast recordings, and more exclusive live interactive content. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as things are winding down for today. But first, we're going to answer an, a question from Twitch. I mean, yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, today's question comes from uh, our guest earlier on the show, KY Redhead. She asks us, what's our favorite kids book? And I initially asked her to clarify, did she mean our favorite book when we were kids or our favorite kids book that we've ever been exposed to? But I decided to not receive an answer to that question. And we're going to answer both. So... What was your favorite book as a kid? And what's your favorite kid's book you've ever seen? Good grief. Um, okay, so my favorite book when I was a kid. Or as a kid and as an adult, whatever we want to put it in. As a kid and as an apparent. Okay, listen, 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 kid listen, listen, listen. Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. Okay, so my favorite classic child's book that's more of a book and a novel is Anne of Green Gables. But my favorite kids book, like picture book. Yeah, I think that's what we're talking about. Is Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. Buh? I've never heard of that book. Um, it's one of my favorites. Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. Uh-huh. It's about the alphabet, and it's teaching you about capital letters and lowercase letters. And essentially, the capital letters are the parents, and the lowercase letters are the kids. And they all the lowercase letters climb up a coconut tree. And then they all fall down, and they get hurt, and the grown-up letters, the capital letters, have to take care of the little letters. Anyway. Never heard of it. People in the chat uh, on Twitch are, are going nuts about it. Uh-huh. It does not ring a bell. One of my favorites. It has always been, uh-huh, one of my favorites. Will there be enough room? That's chicka-chicka-boom-boom. Boom. Will there be enough room? Mm-hmm. Right over my head. And A told B, I'll see you at the top of the coconut tree. Chicka, chicka, boom, boom. Will there be enough room? I love it. It's my favorite. All-time favorite. Okay, but... I The only story similar to that that I know of was a, a story from a comedian named Dusty Slay who told a story about uh, the, letter, the letter S and the letter K and how they were making all these great words... And having a whole lot of fun, living the dream, making a whole lot of money. 
Skate and then the letter ski. C came along and said, I can make the S sound and the K sound. Where do you want me? And just ruined everything for everybody. Okay. It's a good story. You should go find it. Sure. Uh, hey, but my favorite children's book that I've ever been exposed to is The Wonderful Way You Are by our friend Sarah Brooks. I still haven't read that book. Oh, my word. You have it? You yes. have it. Yeah. I need to read it. Can I, I can I borrow it? You sure to can. Read it? You absolutely I know we, can. we got to talk about it a lot when we interviewed her, yep. but I never got to read the book. Yep. And I was really interested in it. Look it up, friends. Look it up. It, it is a it is a good Say one. Say it again. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> the Wonderful Way You Are by Sarah E. Brooks. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> and uh, go into our archives. I think it was in the no, it was we were on we were on LTN. It was like very yeah. early, very early. It was like one of the first weeks, first weeks worth of posts uh, on lovethynerd.com. Uh, just go to our earliest posts, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find her interview. Yeah. Um, but let's see, mine. Okay, when I was a kid, I was I was a very basic kid, basic white boy. I really loved me. You so basic. Some uh, green eggs and ham. I was just all about. I do not like green eggs and ham. All about green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I will not eat them in a box. I will not eat them with a fox. I will not eat them here or there. I will not eat them anywhere. My kindergartners loved it when I read it to them. Like that? Yeah, because like I got all (laughs) into it. You went into thrash metal mode. I will not eat green eggs and ham. I will not eat them, Sam. I am. You, you, (laughs) there. All right. Now, um, but. Hey. What? Did Rachel not hear me? She's in our Twitch chat right now saying my favorite book as a kid was Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. No, I'm pretty sure she was one of the people berating me earlier. Oh, okay. Never mind. But she was, at the time, she was focusing on a word that she had to ban and unban. Or oh, my unban bad. and ban. My bad. In our sorry. Twitch chat. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, but, but, my Maybe. favorite kid's book that I read to my children is a book called The Book With No Pictures by B.J. Novak, whom played Ryan on The Office. It is incredibly imaginative. They love it because it requires you to act goofy and silly, uh, which is, is, I mean, you can judge from this show alone, one of my fortes. (laughs) I'm an excellent children's book reader and uh, one one of the few things I do better than my wife. And... uh, yeah, so it's a it's a great book. If you, I I I doubted it from afar, and someone gave it to us. I really hope it wasn't you, because I'll feel really bad. No. It wasn't you? Okay, somebody gave it to to Johnny for his birthday, I think, uh, this past year, and it's just amazing. No, you gave us the Dunder Mifflin book. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I one's did. really good too. I did, but you really have to like The Office. <laughs> yeah, and so most of most of the jokes go over my kids' heads, uh, but they do enjoy the book. Yeah, uh, but now the book with no pictures, uh, just fantastically done. Uh, the book, the book that I've been exposed to that I hate the most, and I know that wasn't the question, <laughs> was the dumb one that Jimmy Fallon made, where it's just a bunch of pictures, and they say "dada" on every single one of them. Like, there's no, there's no, there's not, nothing's happening, and it got all these reviews and whatever. No, there was no point to the book. I'm sorry. That's another rant. Okay. But anyway, yeah, that's that's my answer. So uh, let's end with our verse for the day. Mm-hmm. A verse for the day is Psalm thirty four fourteen. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
that's going to do it for our show today. Remember that we air first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, find the Backroom Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave your review. Do it, and we'll love you forever. Uh, and also, the podcast feed will offer a weekly highlight episode focusing on just our main topics for the week. And for those of you who can't commit to the full three hours a week. Make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Just search for at the Back Row LTN and connect with us. Uh, tune in tomorrow morning for the Back Row Rewind, and uh, we're going to bring you a classic episode, uh, a really classic. We're going all the way back to the original podcast, long before the morning show. What? Uh, where our friends... What? Our friends uh, Kevin and Kara Wellborn were on to discuss uh, the adoption process. Like, answers a whole bunch of questions, shares a lot of cool stories. Uh, this is a, it's a really good episode that Mo wasn't there for. Um, no, you weren't there. You're not on oh. the show for that episode. Never mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but hey, uh, we're we're gonna go uh, next week. We're not gonna have new shows because there's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on next week. And a lot of stuff cramming into that Saturday that we were going to record. And uh, it's just, it's not going to happen. So what we're going to do instead is the Monday through Thursday, we're going to share with you the main shows, the, the first three main shows that we've put out, typically just in podcast form. We don't air the main shows on the radio station, where it's a collection of the main topics for each week. So we're going to give you a taste of what those are like, just in case you have not listened to those versions yet. So come in and get a glimpse of what the main shows are like, which is a new thing we're doing. This is the first season that we've been doing this, uh, trying to give a, a, like we said, like Mo said a minute ago, a collection of the, the meat segments from the week in one podcast for people that just can't catch every single episode. I, Cause I admit it three, three hour plus shows a week. That's a lot. That's a lot of podcasting. And there's a lot of good podcasts out there that you got to try and cram into your week. So if you want a little bit of that and Mo with the main stuff that we talk about, then these are the good shows to, to listen to. So we're going to give you a taste of that. Mm -hmm. Then we'll be back the next week with new shows. So don't worry. We won't be gone long. Uh, but that's all I got. Final thought? Uh, are you my mother? That's my least favorite oh, children's I book. I hate that one, too. It gives and me too Johnny, much anxiety. Johnny makes me want to read it all the time. No, I can't. Hate it. I, even though I know how it ends every the time, worst. I'm freaking out. It's the worst. No, the crane <laughs> is not your mother. Have you lost your mind? Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise that it's true. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you, nerds. Nerd.